This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply. Hello, everyone. Welcome in here to the Friday Walkthrough. I'm Cole Carmody alongside Monty Spiller. Kansas State beats Texas Tech. They come home, get ready for a Big 12 championship game rematch with TCU. Before we talk about that game, we've got to talk about all the craziness that happened in Lubbock. And before we do, we want to let you know we are sponsored by our friends at Booth Creek Wagyu. Remember to elevate your tailgate this season with our friends from Booth Creek Wagyu. Their ranch is located just north of Manhattan and proudly raises authentic Wagyu beef from farm to table. Visit their retail locations in Manhattan and Overland Park or online at boothcreekwagyu.com. Monty, I don't know what to say. So many crazy things happened in Lubbock. K-State found a way to get the win, 38-21. to It wasn't always easy. There was a few surprise players, which we'll talk about here momentarily. But, man, that was a fun one. It was a fun one. It was a game that we talked about going in. We knew Lubbock at night was going to be a ruckus crowd. They didn't disappoint. Um, they came out, competed hard, competed well. That running back for Tech, man, he's, he's special. Mm-hmm. I, every time he touched the ball, I kind of held my breath, hoping he didn't break a big one. But he's definitely one of the better backs in the Big 12. But, yeah, it was a lot of surprises, um, uh, a lot of unsuspecting quote-unquote, heroes Mm -hmm. and players of the game. But, yeah, absolutely, it was a great game. And I was dead wrong. I said the player of the game was going to be Will Howard. I got the quarterback (laughs) position right. But it was obviously Avery Johnson. And and let's just go ahead and start there and open up the show talking about Avery Johnson, the kid from Mays, Kansas, the true freshman, comes into the game, five rushing touchdowns. I got to make sure I get these stats right, Monty. Eight of nine through the air for 77 yards. But it was on the ground where he did his damage. He was spectacular. There are 13 carries, 90 yards, and the big one, five touchdowns. Yeah, it could have easily been six touchdowns. Mm-hmm. He took the knee or he slid to kind of solidify the game, which I appreciate that, you know, listening to what Coach told him to do uh, to, to kill the clock at that point. But uh, that guy's dynamic. You know, we knew he was special. Um, being from the Kansas area, living here, mm-hmm. we get to see him week in and week out and being highly recruited nationally. And when K-State got him, you know, a lot of the fans were, like, asking, when are we going to use him? What are we waiting on? Why are we not playing him more? And I'm pretty sure Coach Kleinman and Coach Klein had reasons why they didn't, but they felt like this was the game to give him the opportunity, and he did not disappoint. It's amazing what matchups can do for a game. We talked about Texas Tech being susceptible through the ground on the it was particular with the quarterback run and Avery Johnson took advantage of that and it felt like it was Avery's time on Saturday right you're watching something and there's not very many times when you're watching something happen and you feel like this could catapult not just a player but a team forward but that's what that game felt like and we'll talk a little bit more about the X's and the O's but from a strictly mental standpoint this team has to be riding sky high right now. I think, you know, and I know one player can't win a game for you, but I think the fact when Avery sparked that, I mean, um, sparked the team mm-hmm. and, and lit that spark, excuse me, 
the defense started playing better. Yep. Um, if you notice also on the offense side of the ball, Ward, the holes that he had got a little bit wider because the linebackers couldn't just stack the box. They had to respect the edge because if you didn't respect the edge, uh, the uh, QB, um, Avery was going to hit the, the edge and get gone, and he did. So that just affected the whole team, not just the quarterback play either. Well, that's cool, and I want to talk about that. It's cool you brought that up with Treshawn Ward. He was the hot hand in the second half at the running back position. We've seen DJ Giddens get over 200 yards, get player of the week against UCF. Mm -hmm. Well, DJ Giddens, he commits a false start early on in the first half, and they pull him out of the game. And I don't think that was the reason he didn't play. I think he didn't play in the second half simply because Treshawn Ward was that good. I really feel like watching Avery and Treshawn back there, Colin Klein might have found something. Those two players really seem to complement each other. They do. And I'm glad, you know, I, I'm not sure if DJ, like you said, got pulled because of the false start. But I'm glad that Trayshawn got going because moving into next week, we'll talk about that in the second half. If I'm TCU, I'm thinking I got four guys to worry about. Will Howard when he's on, Avery Johnson now, Ward and DJ, and then obviously Senate. Mm-hmm. But that makes a defensive coach go crazy. It does. And the fact that they were able to use Trayshawn in the way they did, getting him to run between the tackles. We know that he has that breakaway speed. Yeah. But to me, what stood out about Trayshawn is just his his ability to stay up, right? Bounce off tackles. It kind of reminded me of Deuce. Yeah. Watching Deuce Vaughn, you know, he's 5'5". Five, five. They hit him, he doesn't go down. Mm-hmm. Right? And DJ has a different type of style. When he hits, he falls forward. Right. He might not be able to outrun some guys. He might not be able to get to the edge like Trayshawn does. But they complement each other well, and I thought Treshawn Ward played outstanding on Saturday. Yeah. I want to talk a little bit about Ben Sinnott okay. because 77 yards receiving on a night where K-State hardly threw the ball at all, yet here he is putting up big numbers. But to me, the play of the game for Ben Sinnott comes on the goal line run where Avery Johnson ran for one of his touchdowns. Ben Sinnott kicks out the defensive end. Mm-hmm. He didn't have to go lock the corner, but he said, you know what, I'm going to pancake you, and then I'm going to kick out this guy that is really designed for the quarterback to make miss. And he opened up that hole, and that was honestly one of my favorite plays of the season. I agree with you 100%. You know I'm a big Ben Sennett fan. Mm-hmm. I have been since day one. But I saw that play, and I was like, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> and that's why he is going to get drafted at some yep. point to go play in the NFL. He has great hands. He runs the ball well. But the kid blocks like no other, and he gives effort. The fact that you – he basically made it 11 against 10. <laughs> he took out two guys, and neither one of them had a chance. And and, and, and the back behind him, uh, every behind him, basically walked in yeah. and, and untouched. And that's doing your job and doing it well. So that was a great play. And credit the offensive line as a whole, too. Yeah, I thought oh, this yeah. was oh, the yeah. best game that the offensive line played all season long. And I am a sucker for power. I'm a yeah. sucker for counter and trap. Seeing Hayden Gillum and Cooper Beebe, Hadley Panzer, Taylor Potier, those guards and centers get around and pull and kick out the defensive ends, it it's a thing of beauty. Mm-hmm. And if you are a major football fan, Go back and watch some of those runs because right. the offensive line, they just simply said, we are better than you. And mm-hmm. the more they got going, the better they got. It reminded me of UCF. And it just goes to show there is something too when an offense can run the football, right. it just demoralizes the defense. It does. And one play that sticks out to me, and, and it let me know the O-line was clicking, uh, it was fourth and one. Avery was in, Ward was at the back. Mm-hmm. Avery had been killing them on the end, but they go right up the middle mm-hmm. with Ward and he gets – he gets seven or eight yards. He needed one on fourth down. And that let me know the coaching staff trusted the O-line to do their job. And they created a gap. And he didn't get touched until he was five yards down the field. So that right there shows me confidence. And those guys are playing really well right now. And I'll take that a step further. Third and ten, K-State losing in the game. Mm-hmm. 
Avery Johnson in a quarterback, I think everyone and their mother is expecting to pass. <laughs> I mean, you're sitting there saying there's no way they run it on third and ten. And if they do run it on third and ten, they're going to maybe try and make it more fourth and manageable. Mm-hmm. But the offense said, to hell with that. We're just going to go score a touchdown. And the way that they were able to execute that quarterback power play yep. with Will Howard and seeing those guys pull around and even Will Swanson with an outstanding down block. I, I want everybody to go back and look at that play because it's more than just the offensive lineman. The fact that the tight ends are able to just wash everybody down the line of scrimmage. That's mm-hmm. something that I've been really impressed with those guys. Right. That's why Will Swanson plays a lot as the backup tight end. Yeah. But the offensive line able to create that hole for Avery and then he just gets to top speed. I think they said he was over 20 miles an hour yeah. on that run for a 30-yard touchdown. To me, I mean, that's the play of the game. It is. And, and you talk about the tight ends and a lot of people, they think tight ends because tight ends in the NFL, they're glorified. You got your Kelsey's and the other guys and the Kittles who are phenomenal athletes. But at the college level, they're an extension of the O-line. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times they might get a pass here and there. But most tight ends in our system, they're blocking, you know, outside of Senate. And, and they take pride in that. And they did a great job of washing down the defensive linemen and, and creating gaps for us to run clean. And that spoke volume. So I was super happy with the way we played on, uh, on the interior and, and with the tight ends as well on the line. And let's flip it over to the defense. Your favorite side of the ball, Monty. Yep. Kobe Savage, our guy on this show, not afraid to say it. We both love Kobe. Yep. Two picks. Um, he drops a wide open three. interception. <laughs> right? Drops a wide open interception that he said after the game he was trying to sell. He knew he didn't catch it. He said, but this ain't Juco. I can't right. get away with that. <laughs> um, and then he ends up on that same drive picking one off in the end zone. Just an outstanding performance by Kobe. Big 12 Defensive Player of the Week. VJ Payne, though, his yes. first interception is a Wildcat. One-handed pick. Pretty. Great interception. This all started because K-State was able to get pressure on the quarterback. Now, it's worth noting that Baron Morton came out of the game. Yeah. But he came out of the game because he was constantly getting hit. Yeah, we were getting hits on the quarterback early and often. And then when the backup even came in, he wasn't comfortable. He was running mm-hmm. outside the pocket. He made a few good throws when they went hurry up. They went fast, but we adjusted to it. And he ended up throwing that interception to, to VJ when he did with the one-hand pick. But our D-line did a phenomenal job of getting pressure on the quarterback, not letting them be comfortable. And for that matter, our linebackers had great drops into windows, and they couldn't really go any balls. When they, when they did make catches, they had to throw perfect. They had to throw a perfect ball and make a perfect catch. Nothing was easy. And the secondary, you could tell from the back end, they were playing so much more confident. Mm-hmm. You talked about Kobe. He looked like the safety that we expected to see this year, how he looked before he got hurt last year. And those guys are balling. Parrish was back. Yep. He was back competing. It was good to see him back. So those guys are looking good. The thing that I liked about the defensive performance is even when they lost Jake Clifton to a targeting penalty, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. by the rule, is it targeting, I guess? I saw a shoulder, but that's just me. Yeah, it was very questionable. <laughs> I mean, you could go either way. I think if it's a, a player hitting K-State, I think K-State fans think it's targeting. And obviously, K-State people don't think it's targeting since it happened against Tech. Right. But, I mean, that's a big swing of momentum because that was a fumble. Yep. K-State was going to get points. I don't know if they would have scored a touchdown, but they would have got points. Nonetheless, Tech goes down, scores a touchdown. They get the ball at half. And then they go down all the way and score a touchdown on what I still believe is an offensive pass interference. I agree. They don't call it. Texas Tech gets the touchdown, and all of a sudden, K-State's losing, and they could have been up two scores at halftime. The defense able to respond after that was a very overlooked part of this game. It was, and you heard the term bend but don't break. We never really, with the exception of one drive, we really weren't in a position where we we had to bend. Mm -hmm. We were the attacker. You know, at some point, and after the the, the targeting penalty, they got going and we were on our heels. But the defense never pointed the finger. They never panicked. They never looked at the sidelines like, what's going on? They kept coming and coming. And when they did, we took over 
and, and created uh, made Texas Tech offense uncomfortable, and their backup quarterback could not make any plays. And when we got the ball back, forcing the punt, uh, our offense took advantage of it. They scored 21 points, but they ran 80 plays. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, that's what Texas Tech does is they go fast. Yeah. And when you run 80 plays, you're going to have to play a lot of defensive players. I think Matthew Mashmeyer, a walk-on, was in the game at some point yep. at safety. But to hold a team to 21 points, regardless of how many yards they had on 80 plays, that is not easy to do. No, it's not. And and people forget that. And that's the Big 12, too. Yeah. Texas Tech has been known to go fast for over the years. but And they go faster than the most, most teams we play. But in the, tech, in the Big 12, you're going to see teams that go fast. And our defense is built for it. And, and when we find a way to, to, to get off the field, that allows our offense to kind of drain the clock a little bit, give our guys a break. And then when we're ready to go back on defense, we're fresh. So our defense stood up to the test. I was nervous about going into this game mm-hmm. based off of the previous game. But going into this week's game, I feel a lot more comfortable and a lot more confident in our defense. Special shout-out to Keenan Garber, by the yes, way. Yes. Keenan Garber, he wasn't even really challenged in this game. No. Started in place of Will Lee, and you would have had no idea that he was even in the game. Which, if you're a cornerback, that's, that's usually a good thing. Because that means they're not throwing your way. And um, he, he had a great game. It was really the second true start um, at the cornerback position. But I thought the secondary, there was there was some really good flashes and things you want to see. Marquis Siegel still trying to learn how to play that safety position, yeah. but he's not afraid. No. He'll come down, he'll hit you, and he's only going to get better as the season progresses. I'm starting to get to a point with the secondary where they have a real challenge coming up against TCU this week. Right. If they pass that test... I'm about ready to say this secondary has turned the corner. They are, and they're getting a lot more comfortable in the play calls. They're competing. They're communicating better. And it's one of those things where I think Coach has found the good mix of players to have on the field, either high safety or low safety. And we have, with Garber being in there, mm-hmm. we basically are developing three quality corners. And he can back up Will Lee or Parrish if need be, or he can be a starter at some point. Who knows? But the fact that we're getting quality reps from young guys, that never hurts us. And special shout-out. I would be remiss if I didn't bring this up to Seth Porter on special yes, teams. Yes, beat me to it. <laughs> I mean, outstanding effort, getting yeah. the down the ball at the one-yard line, mm-hmm. making several tackles on special teams. I cannot remember a non-kicker, punter, or returner mm-hmm. making that big of an impact on the special teams game like he did. I mean, it, people need to understand that is not easy to do. If you are a gunner, if you are in task with going down and making tackles on punt, with going down and making tackles on kickoff, mm-hmm. it very rarely do you see a guy make that kind of impact. Yeah, but here's the funny thing about it, and, and people outside of K-State, man, I know – He's been doing it all year. Yeah. You know, and if you watch games like we do, we see that if you're there live or if you're even on TV, he's been doing it all year. So I wasn't surprised to see him do it this past weekend. But as much as he did it back to back to back, made me smile. And he deserved recognition for sure. Chris Tennant nailed a 47-yard field goal as well. Perfect on extra points. That was an important game for him at the kicking position to just kind of get that confidence. I mean, going out there on the very first drive of the game and nailing a long field goal, Mm -hmm. if the game was going to be close, you had to feel confident because... Because if he can make that, I mean, that that spells good things for K-State. Nonetheless, overall, great performance for the Wildcats. They find a way. They get to 4-2. and two, they, come home to face T- they come home to face TCU. Like we said, a rematch of the Big 12 Championship. It's going to be a fun one. We're going to talk about that game and much more when we come back on the Friday Walkthrough. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back in here to the Friday Walkthrough for Cole Carmody alongside Monty Spiller. We are sponsored by Booth Creek Wagyu. When you come to the game on Saturday, just go ahead, stop by the store in Manhattan, get you some nice beef, you got your grill, take it to the tailgate, grill some up, and let me know where you're at. Because if you're <laughs> grilling it, let, let, let Monty and I know. We'll come Let's by, by. Yeah. we'll come by, we'll have some with you. Um, you don't want to take our pictures because we'll probably break the camera lens. <laughs> but we'll, we'll come by and say hi, and maybe we can give you a special shout-out on the next episode of the Friday Walk. Right so on, right if you do that, put it in the comments below. We'll be sure to reach out. Let's talk about this game against the Horned Frogs now, Monty, because I don't think very many people saw TCU coming into this game at 4-3, and 2-2 two and two in the conference, and even K-State at 4-2. and two. I think yeah. when you look on the schedule, this is a game that, oh, this could be college game day. Both of these teams could be undefeated. But here we are. Both teams are maybe starting to find their rhythm. Yeah, I agree. And here's the thing about it. Um, with the Big 12, you, you know, you have – the, the, the top tier and the middle tier preseason, and you think you know what's going to happen. And right now it's been uh, wide open. Nobody knows. But for, for both teams, for K-State and for TCU, I'm not going to say it's a must win, but if you want to keep your name in a potential Big 12 championship talk, you need to win this game. Mm -hmm. because. But for both teams moving forward, the schedule doesn't get any easier. But K-State playing at home, coming off a big win on the road, is in a really good position to make some noise. They definitely are. And I think when you look at this TCU group, I mean, they still have a lot of things in front of them, right? Yeah. If you win this game, you're 5-3, and three, you're 3-2 and two in the conference. You got two conference losses, but you can still have a really successful season, especially they got their freshman quarterback in now, start to build toward next year. But if they lose this game, they're 4-4, four and four, and now they're looking at are we going to make a bowl game? Mm -hmm. And after making a college football semifinal, winning that game, making it to the national championship, seems like that would be a pretty big step back. So there's a lot on the line for both of these teams. And I want to start by looking at TCU. And I watched the first game of the season, as did you and many people that are watching this show against Colorado. And I was surprised at how down TCU was. Yeah. And I was probably more surprised at how good we all thought Colorado was. They're a decent team, but I don't think they're as good as they looked on that Saturday against the Horned Frogs. I almost think that says more about TCU than it did Colorado. And they TCU was just not very good the beginning part of the season. They finally responded. Josh Hoover comes in at quarterback. They beat BYU 44-11. to I mean, that was a game I don't think very many people saw coming. I don't know what to make of this team right now. You know, um, going back to the first game uh, against Colorado, a lot of people – they, a lot of people still had TCU's last year team in right. mind. And, and people don't understand, they lost a lot of dudes uh, on a great team. And then you got Colorado that's new. And honestly, you don't have a lot of film mm -hmm. on Colorado, so you don't know what to expect. So that was an advantage for Colorado. It could have been any team mm -hmm. Colorado played the first game. And I felt like Colorado probably would have gave them the same problems they gave TCU. I felt like TCU probably should have won the game. They had a chance late to drive and make some mistakes. And it is what it is. But TCU... It's very similar to us. A lot of new parts, a lot of young players, a lot of names that people don't know that aren't household names yet, but as the season go on, they get better and better and raise some eyebrows. So I feel like TCU is a lot better than they were the first two games. And like you said, they beat what we thought was a good BYU team yeah. pretty handily. So 
as a team, I am more fearful of this TCU team than I was Texas Tech last week on the road. I think that's a fair statement. They, there's definitely a lot of talent there. We'll start on the offensive side of the ball for TCU. We mentioned Josh Hoover, and his story is interesting. Former Indiana commit, uh, Sonny Dykes takes the job at TCU and flips him from Indiana to TCU because he couldn't get him at SMU, so he thought maybe at a Power 5 school would be able to get him, and sure enough, he got him. Um, there were some questions as to whether he would even be able to compete in this offense. Um, TCU obviously has a new offensive coordinator, Kendall Bryles, mm-hmm. Garrett Riley now at Clemson. Um, Kendall Bryles comes over. Again, a lot of fanfare made about that right. coming over from Arkansas, but he brings a very up-tempo offense. Um, Josh Hoover threw the ball 58 times last week in his first career start, 37 of 58 for four touchdowns, two interceptions, 439 yards. That's a lot of passing um, through the air for Hoover in that offense, but he adjusted his body, lost 25 pounds in the offseason, and here he is starting against K-State. Who would have thought that after Max Duggan left, it would be a redshirt freshman in Josh Hoover versus potentially a true freshman in Avery Johnson in Manhattan? I don't think anybody saw that coming, but again, I mean, this offense, they like to go fast, and I'm very curious to see after playing Texas Tech, K-State's used to that. Mm -hmm. I almost think that gives them an Advantage. I I say yes and no. Uh, it does give K State advantage. It helps us be better prepared. Mm-hmm. Now watching TCU and watching Texas Tech, T- Texas Tech offense up until the second half was the new Texas Tech offense. They slowed mm-hmm. it down a little bit, ran the ball, then they got behind, so they had to pick it up a little bit. But I honestly think TCU's offense goes faster. Mm-hmm. In Texas Tech. So our defense needs to be ready. And I think that second half of the game last week did help prepare us for this coming uh, Saturday to get ready for that up-tempo because we're going to need to be ready, have guys that can rotate in and out and be prepared to c- communicate quickly because they get the ball out fast. They do. And they also like to run the ball. Mm-hmm. The top two running backs um, for TCU, Imani Bailey, he had some carries last year, 751 yards on two touchdowns on the season. They're a team that likes to throw the ball when they get into the red zone. So look for K-State to, to know that and Mm-hmm. Probably play a little bit more press coverage, I'd imagine, down near near the red zone. Um, Trey Sanders, the Alabama transfer, is the backup running back. Some high expectations for him coming into the season. Hasn't really lived up to them, but they will run the ball. Uh, through the air, J.P. Richardson, the Oklahoma State transfer. John Paul Richardson, they call him the Pope. Uh, great <laughs> find from our own Ryan Wallace. If you listen to the pregame podcast, he drops that uh, nugget in there, so credit to him. Uh, he is the leading receiver for this TCU offense. Jared Wiley at tight end is a guy that I want to talk about because this guy is massive. Yes. And every time he played against K-State last year, it felt like he made a big play. Is Kobe Savage the guy you wanted him? Is it VJ Payne? I don't know, but it seems like they're going to have to try and keep him under control if they want to keep this offense in check. Yeah, I don't. I wouldn't say I would put a safety on him. I think K-State does would do what they normally do. They'll find Khalid Duke, one of our big guys, f- f- travel with him whenever he's at a true tight end, put hands on him uh, prior to him releasing. Don't give him a free release because mm-hmm. if you do, you get in trouble. And if he does split out wide, you're going to have to pull coverage over the top. You have a corner on him. If Lee's back, I'm not sure what the status is on him. A bigger body on him to jam him. Don't give him a free release and have a safety over the top because he can't hurt you. He hurt us last year. Uh, if you watch the Michigan game, when they play Michigan, he hurt Michigan yeah. last year. He, like, he made some big plays against Michigan. The guy's talented. He's another guy that when he gets off the bus, you look at him and be like, <laughs> is he a DN or is he a tight end? Yeah. And the guy's massive and he's athletic with it as 
well. He is. Savion Williams, another receiver, a big play threat for TCU. So they have playmakers on this offense. But the offensive line is still new and working together. I look for a guy like Khalid Duke, you mentioned him, to have a massive day. Do you remember the last time TCU played in Manhattan? What I happened? Do. I do. Felix Anya DK Uzama had six sacks. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say Khalid Duke's going to have six sacks. But I feel like another performance like that could be in the works for this K-State defense. I'm, I'm, I'm for it. And, and I truly believe it'll happen. Um, it could be a DN. It could be a linebacker. But I feel like somebody on that, that defensive front will have a day. TCU offensive line is young. They do struggle a little bit. When you stunt, when you're being pressured, when you bluff, they kind of get confused. And normally somebody misses an assignment and there's a guy running free. And we put pressure on the quarterback early and often, hit him and make him uncomfortable, kind of like we did last week. Mm-hmm. And that makes it easier for the back end. So I see K-State bringing some pressure against them. When turnovers come, they come in bunches. Yes. K-State had three picks last week. Is this a game where they can maybe get multiple tor- multiple turnovers in a game? Against a team that goes as fast as TCU, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I can see that happening. And uh, I'm, like I said, I'm here for it, and I think K-State has the group and the understanding of how to turn the ball over and to do it quickly. And before we get into the offense, which everybody wants to talk about for K-State, I found a little note, and I think it's worth sharing. Griffin Kell, the kicker for TCU, was money last year. This year, not so much. He's 4 of 4 on field goals inside 40 yards. But 40 yards plus, he's 6 of 12. Yeah, yeah. So, what that means is TCU knows that. There's a good chance they go for it on fourth down a lot. And Chris Kleiman said after the game, a turnover also counts as stopping them on fourth down. Turnovers are going to be huge in this game, so that is something. If K-State wins a turnover battle, I think they're going to win the game. Yeah, I'm with you. I think, and Coach Klein is absolutely correct. If you get a stop on fourth and one, for one, or fourth and short, whatever it may be, for one, you get the ball. But for two, mentally, that takes a toll on the team. And I guarantee if TCU's in another situation where it's fourth and short, he's thinking, do I punt, do I kick, or do I go for it? They stopped us once. I don't want to risk this. I should punt the ball. And that plays a big part in the game later on in the game. So it could be a deciding uh, factor come Saturday. Well, the question everybody wants to know and the question nobody seems to have the answer to, not even the offensive coordinator or the head coach, but maybe Monty Spiller has the answer to, who starts a quarterback on Saturday for K-State? Rubly. No, I'm joking. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I say, honestly, uh, from from I'm going to give you my fan perspective, my coach perspective, and then uh, I'm going to give you my analyst perspective. As a fan, I would love to see Avery because he's hot. He, he's fun to watch. The media is all about him. He gave the team a spark. And that's what you want to see as a fan. As a former player, excuse me, I say Will. You know, Will is a senior he is a program guy. I know people have the aspect and the question of what have you done for me lately. And Will hadn't been great, but he hadn't been bad either. And every player has bad games. And say, for instance, if we don't have an Avery Johnson here and we have a, just a normal backup, will we be calling for the backup? Probably not. Mm-hmm. So I get it. So I say start Will and then sprinkle in Avery as needed. Because I feel like if you do start Will, that forces TCU to be prepared for something totally different. And Temple and that personnel, based off of which quarterback is in, has to change. So I say start Will, bring in Avery, and go from there. The reality of the situation is both guys are going to play. Yes. Right? Like that's, they've made that abundantly clear. It's going to happen. So um, that will be interesting to see how they do that. Looking at TCU, Jamoy Hodge, linebacker from TCU, one of their best players. He is back for the Horn Frogs. Interesting note, Namadi Obiezar. If that name rings a bell, it's because his brother Chidi Obiezar is a defensive end for K-State. He is TCU's leading tackler. So a little family reunion for the Obiezars on Saturday night. Uh, this TCU defense has given up twenty-four game, at least 24 points in every single game. 
except for last week. So they have some holes. I think it's worth noting that they haven't faced a lot of running quarterbacks this year. Yeah. Donovan Smith at Houston, not a running quarterback. Shador Sanders, obviously not a running quarterback with that offensive line. You really can't be. <laughs> um, and some other guys that they face, they just they're they're pocket passers. Slovis from BYU, same type of thing. Like. It's just not their game. But then when you look at a guy who is a running first quarterback in Garrett Green at West Virginia, 12 rushes for 80 yards. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. If I'm K-State, I might go back and look at that film. Because regardless if it's Will Howard or Avery Johnson, just because the stats are better for TCU's quarterback run defense, they could be inflated a little bit. Yeah, they could be. And I think K-State will take advantage of that uh, with either Will or Avery in there. Because... Like I said, when O-line's blocking well, Will still runs good. He's mm -hmm. not he's not as dynamic as Avery by any means, but he gets downhill, and when he does, he's hard to tackle. So I think that's going to force TCU to play it honest, and that's going to open up the passing game as well. K-State can use the quarterback running game when needed in scenarios, but that's going to also open up the passing game because TCU can't take a risk on uh, playing a certain way. They have to play it honest, and that, that gives K-State a two-way go. This could be a game where Avery maybe throws the ball a little bit yeah. more and Will maybe run runs the ball a little bit more. Yep. When both those guys are in there, it kind of changes the dynamic of things. TCU runs a 3-3-5 defense. Mm -hmm. K-State runs a 3-3-5 defense. Colin Klein and Joe Klinerman both said that TCU's defense is very similar to K-State's defense. And here's my thinking behind this, Monty, and you can tell me if I'm crazy, but a young quarterback like Avery Johnson, who's so used to going against K-State's defense, because that's what you do in fall camp, mm -hmm. that's what you do in spring practice, even during the bye week. That, to me, could maybe lend itself to more Avery Johnson plays because he's used to seeing those pictures. Yeah, and it allows our offensive coaches to prepare because our offensive coaches can go and talk to our defensive coaches. In this formation, what hurts you the most? Mm -hmm. What gives you the most fits and, uh, and, and moving forward? Or what also do you struggle with? It's one of those things where we can go to our coaching staff and prepare a game plan to understand what gives their defense more problems. Now, with TCU – they do run the exact same defense we do, but they're a lot more, I say it, aggressive. They mm -hmm. take more chances. Yeah. And because they do take more chances, there's a higher percentage to get beat over the top. And so I think K-State will take advantage of that as well. Keegan Johnson, fully healthy. That's a guy to watch. Still waiting for his breakout game. I yeah. still think it's going to happen. I mean, if you're looking for a deep threat, that could definitely be a guy to watch. Okay, let's get into our picks and wrap the show up. Put a bow on it, Monty. Um before I ask you for your score prediction, if you're still watching, make sure you comment who what the score you think is going to be. Give me your MVP, along with uh, if you cook us some some beef on Saturday, we'll we'll also give you a shout out too if you do this Please. too. Um, who is the MVP for K State on Saturday? See, the, the obvious answer is Avery, but I know TCU will be prepared, prepared for him. Excuse me, but he still will have a day. I'm going back to old reliable DJ Gittin. Mm. I feel like he uh, didn't play the second half of Tech, mm -hmm. and and he's a quiet young man, a humble young man. But I feel like regardless of the reason why you didn't play, I feel like he's one of those guys, when his next opportunity comes, he's not going to mess it up, and he's going to take it out on somebody. So I'm saying DJ Gittin. That is a great pick. I haven't even I didn't even think about that. I mentioned him earlier. I'm going to say Khalid Duke. Okay. I'm going to see a multiple sack performance for Khalid Duke. He's going to get pressured. They're going to throw the ball a lot with Josh Hoover. I think the defense wins this game. I think the offense puts up some points, but I think the defense is the reason that K-State wins this game. I'll go to you second with your score prediction. Okay. I'll start with my score prediction. I know that I said the defense is going to win this game, but the offense is going to score a lot of points. Right. There's some holes on this TCU defense. I'm going to say 38-24 K-State. It's going to be a closer game, kind of like Tech. You wouldn't have thought that that was a 17-point game, right? right? I mean, it was a close game in the fourth quarter. I see that happening, and I'll, give, I'll leave you with this stat. 
K-State has only not won by six or more points since 2021 four times. All four of those games, they lost. Wow. Three of those were against rake teams, and the other game was against Tulane. Okay. So, the spread is six and a half. For those of you who have that, I say K-State 38-24. Similar. uh, I'm going a little bit higher. I'm saying K-State 45 TCU twenty eight, and and I'm and I'm also adding in uh, a special teams touchdown with that forty five points. Here we go, special yeah. teams touchdown. It's about time. It's time. I'm I'm, I'm it's overdue. It is definitely <laughs> it's overdue. overdue. Special teams you returns. Monty Spiller says yes. Either way, it's going to be a great game on Saturday night. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening. We hope you enjoy the game. If you go to Bill Snyder Family Stadium, wear your purple, but the right color purple. Yeah. TCU also purple. We'll talk to you next Friday. The baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation.